want answers. I think I'm entitled. You want answers. I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. Your mother was a hamster, and your father smelt of elderberry. I am your father. Welcome to episode 11 of Sharp Angles. I'm one of your hosts, Rich, and I'm here with... Danae. I'm Jeanette. And uh, we're here talking about some Agent Carter. Um, we're uh, in the middle of waiting for um, Ant-Man to become available to watch in a, um, in a capacity that's not yet out yet. Because uh, <laughs> we missed it all in the theaters, and we're waiting for the home video to come out. So while we're doing that, we figured why not talk about some of the other goings on in the MCU, and uh, we're going to talk about some um, Mar- um, Marvel Cinematic Universe TV shows. And we'll start with Agent Carter. Um, how we're going to do the TV shows, I think we've been talking about this a little bit on the podcast before, as um, <clears throat> we're going to go ahead and uh, split up seasons in two. So we're going to do like first half of season one, second half of season one, um, and I guess eventually when we start spinning off talking about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., we're going to do the same thing. Like season one, one half is one episode, second half is one episode, so on and so forth, and uh, and go on from there. Um, and I guess, uh, you know, it's just like a, you know, uh, I guess more of a, a roundtable discussion about the TV shows since um, we've all we've all seen them. Um, and in the in the normal sense of sharp angles. I guess technically we we would all be either you know like novices or you know or uh I guess maybe even neophytes coming into watching uh the episodes cuz I think if I'm not mistaken most of us have only seen all of the episodes either once or maybe once or twice um so like there are normal our normal subset <clears throat> um of uh how we do the episodes a little a little altered when we start talking about the TV shows, but um, we still think it's relevant and we still think it's cool and, you know, have some cool conversations about um, some goings on. So um, <clears throat> I guess uh, who wants to, to kick us off and start uh, talking a little bit about some Agent Carter? So I'm going to rat Jeanette out. <laughs> okay. Because <laughs> Jeanette had no desire to watch past episode one of Agent Carter. And I had texted her, I'm like, watch Agent Carter. And she's like, I don't want to watch it. Uh, No, no. When you told me, because I respect your opinion, when you told me, oh, my word, there is this new TV show that I absolutely love. You have to check it out. It's called Agent Carter. It's based off of Captain America's, you know, very brief little love interest in one movie uh, who, you know, was so awesome that she lasted, what, 70, 60 years in the future? 80. 80? Okay. Wait a minute. She was still 40? She should have been older than she looked in Captain America, too. You're right. She should have been dead. Okay. That's <laughs> yeah, though. Whatever. Um, well, suspend, uh, suspend reality for a second. This is Hollywood, so moving on. Anywho, I was like, okay, sure, I'm game. I will all check out Agent Carter. I need a new good TV show. So I watched the first episode, and I hated it. I was just not impressed. Hate is probably way too strong of a word. I was just not impressed. And I was not impressed because I'm kind of sick of the whole kick-ass female role where a woman can do absolutely everything. She can take care of herself physically and emotionally and psychologically and every other which way. And she doesn't need anyone else. So there. Because that's just not realistic. And I feel as if it sets up... uh, harmful perceptions and goals for humanity in general. So I swore it off after the first episode and I swore it off for at least a couple weeks. Yeah. A long time. Yeah. Yeah. But it grew on me after that. I mean, I willingly watched the rest of it so That's... we can, we can go into, you know, my changing perception of it. But what was your first, your, your, first impression of the first episode was very good though obviously yeah I thought it was actually really good I was excited about a period show um love the era love the costumes love the makeup love the hair 
um, the red lipstick, the red lipstick, <laughs> kick ass. Um, you know, in this post-war sort of conservative um, world in which morality is pretty grounded, and you know, there's there's a sense of duty and right and wrong, and and all of that, and. As the show progressed, I have to say it was interesting because it became more sci-fi than I probably would have liked um, with the phantom typewriter and the bombs, the gadgets and all of that. But all in all, I thought it was the first four episodes were fairly compelling and we got a season break at the fourth episode, right? Um, it was a short run um, in between the season break of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and then it came back for the other season break of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. So we got a lot of MCU throughout the year. They don't really give us a break. Um, but the first episode I thought was great. And, you know, it was interesting. It was the the female... Um, here we have this like strong female lead. She did a lot in Captain America. You see her as like this, this person who doesn't take crap. And then she's sort of in many ways made to go get coffee and do all of these things in the first episode of Agent Carter. And you're like, wait a second, she's an agent. She's, you know, she broke through some gender barriers here. What's going on? And they played on that theme a little heavily, too, throughout the series. Um, this female, females are less capable and should be secretaries and all of that a little bit. And and so Peggy sort of went rogue in many ways in the, in the show, which was kind of interesting. And she made some allies. But, um, yeah, should we do a brief synopsis of the first episode and then or should we get Rich's opinion of the first episode? I would love to know Rich's opinion of the first episode. Let's do it. All right. So so yeah, um coming off I think was I the only one at that point when I watched the first episode had had I been the only one that watched any Agents of Shield prior? Yes. No, no, point. no, 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 that's not true. Uh, I had seen I had seen Captain America too. And at that point would I have seen um um Galaxy, uh, Guardians, Guardians of, Galaxy. of the Galaxy. But did you watch any Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? Oh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. No, no, definitely not. No, sorry. Okay. So so coming off of that, having experienced a prior MCU TV show, um, I found it pretty refreshing. Um, you know, the, the way that they uh, they had such a, um, a singular character-driven show event. Um, rather than what Agents of Shield is, which is a you know like a giant ensemble cast thing, it's kind of like mini Avengers almost. And a horrible um, disappointment. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> we can get to that. We can get to that. Uh, I guess later, but um, but yeah. So I I really I really was um you know intrigued about where they were going to go. I was kind of looking forward to as a fan. You know, like hey, how are they going to tell the story of Howard Stark? Like you know because because it's more it's it's not just about um peggy carter it's about like you know all the the cool goings on behind the scenes um so i was interested in seeing um how that was going to be um i i really enjoyed um you know in the first couple episodes the introduction of uh of jarvis the the butler i think he's an awesome character um and um and as much as i can see your guys point um, in, in the fact that like the, the whole, um, you know, kind of like beating the whole, um, you know, conservative and like, you know, like old school thinking way of, of, uh, of, I guess like women in the workplace. Um, <clears throat> I felt that it was to other audiences that weren't coming from somewhere where they knew what was going on with this character. Um, it's it's maybe a convenient crutch to use that kind of storytelling um because oh well this is a period piece so what happened in that period oh yeah well you know you know it it, it was it was one of those things that was was a hot button issue that we can kind of like thread through 
Um, but as much as as much as I um, as much as I think that that kind of storytelling isn't really like something that's generally appealing to me because like I don't know I, I would rather I'd rather the stories just kind of play out as they are <clears throat> um, without having to have an agenda. Um, <clears throat> I also think that in order to get across how awesome Peggy Carter's character really is, maybe you kind of needed a little bit of that um, in order to tell the story. But, um, but yeah, I mean, the first, the first episode, as far as impact goes, I thought it was way, way, way better than the first episode of, of, uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I'll, I'll give you that right now. Um, Why? because, um, because it was cohesive. It told the story. It left you hanging to, mm -hmm. to want more. Um, and everything that you, that you saw in that first episode was 100% completely understandable. Um, I mean, when we get to Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., um, I, I've, I've pretty much thought that the first episode was an incoherent mess. Um, and it took them like three or four episodes to get it back on track to finally figure out what they wanted to do. Because to be honest, when they launched Age of Ends of the Shield, I don't think they knew what they wanted to do. Um, so this one was, was very, it seemed very well crafted and very like knew they knew exactly where they wanted to go. So, but, um, but yeah, I, I, I really, uh, I really enjoyed the first episode. It was, uh, it was pretty good. <clears throat> and w in that episode, we see Peggy sort of getting pushed to the side, despite the fact that she is an agent. She's, and then Howard Stark comes under scrutiny for potentially selling um, his weapons to enemies, and he goes on the lam, and but asks Peggy for her help to clear his name, and she goes undercover um, at a party to get information because now she's sort of a double agent. She's working for Howard and for the um, pre-shield. I can't remember what it's called. That's just called the Bureau. The Bureau. Um, and finds a bunch of bombs. Isn't and like the, what? The, didn't they call it like the SSR or something the like that? The SSR. Thank you. Yeah, there we go. Um, now committed to apprehending Stark. Right. She really is a double agent. She really is. And she goes undercover in order to try and get information, finds a bunch of bom bombs after she does like a neat little spy trick knocking some dude out with her lipstick. And um and then she calls Jarvis to help her um but only after her roommate is murdered. <laughs> Which... Well, and I just have to interrupt real quick because I 100% agree with Rich that Jarvis is a great character. He is. And in fact, I think he's such a great character that that he his his character made me like Peggy's character better. Because mm. he brings out the human side in her. Yeah, they play off each other well. Yeah. And mm -hmm. and I would agree with that. He makes her more human. Mm. He she he sees. She's softer with him. She and he takes care of her like a brother. Like mm -hmm. you know, um, they they have a sibling relationship in a lot of ways. And um so it's interesting. It's very it's fascinating to me. Well, I think for me personally, it's it's the fact that okay, Jarvis knows that he can't do everything all by himself and he flat out he flat out tells her that in either the first or second episode, like, you know, we need each other. People right. need each other. And she's like, yeah, no, forget that. I'm good. Bye-bye. Um, right. I'll call you if I need you. And and he gradually breaks down that barrier until she admits, okay, yeah, I am human. I'm not superwoman. I do need help. So please step in and help me every once in a while, but still take my orders, <laughs> which I do find rather entertaining. Right. And he will very... Uh in some cases, recalcitrantly do, as she says, for the most part. There are very few instances. I mean, he gives her a lot of crap for it at times, but there are very few instances in, in which he doesn't trust her professional judgment. Yeah. And and he realizes that, you know, he he was a soldier. Jarvis was a soldier in World War II. Um, he was, and we find out later a little bit about his backstory, Um. And he was a competent soldier and Stark hires him for many reasons, that being one of them. And 
but he defers to Peggy in a lot of ways. And, and that's kind of nice where she, you know, he does the things that the other agents in the SSR don't do. He, except for Sousa, except for Sousa, who's in love with her, you know, but and he, he seems, he seems like he would treat women well, regardless. Agreed. A hundred percent. Totally smitten with Peggy. And I'm quite sure that they're going to end up together in the end. You think so? Oh yeah, Totally. You don't I mean, think so? I don't know. Well, so it's fairly cryptic um, in Captain America 2, is it? Where... I mean, she um, she says, you know, I wouldn't have met my husband without you because I wouldn't have started, um, started uh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yeah. So it's... So pro- she, I mean... She obviously met her husband through the business. Right. And Tusa is an agent for the business. So there we go. I don't know. I, I, I don't know. I'm not sure. We, we could take bets on it. I don't know. What do you think, Rich? Um, I mean, <clears throat> there isn't a lot of evidence that points either way, but I can, I can see them very easily tying that up ni- nice and neat, you know, because it seems like that, that particular relationship between those two characters, you know, it, it's like, when stuff really starts going down and, you know, like, and people start suspecting the, you know, the, the, I don't know, like the secret woman, you know, running around doing all this stuff. Um, you know, we're getting into spoiler territory for, for the next episode, but, um, but I think the way they tell that story, um, you know, it's like, it's like, you know, that, that character that, that Daniel's always going to be there for, like no matter what happens, like you know, even though even though sometimes he'll like you know, quote unquote, have to do his job, and then you know she might get in a little heat for for something that that he's that he's either investigating or doing, but um, <clears throat> but I think you know I think in the end if it really came down to it and like something critical was about to happen, um, he would have her back, and you know, be, and you only really write stuff like that when you know, you know, like. Maybe the maybe that character like has like deeper feelings or something like wants to be investigated later on. So uh, I could see I could see I, it go down that way. I am just going to I'm going to place an official bet here, and if I'm wrong, Danae, I will buy you a piece of cheesecake. <laughs> yep, it just got real. <laughs> <laughs> taking bets. All right, taking taking bets. Um, Susa is either going to become her husband or they're going to kill him off one well, way or the other. And I'm leaning more towards he's dying for her. He's dying okay, okay. in and her I stead. I could see that happening. Yeah. Right. Uh, I, I could sort of sketch that path out in my mind. And generally speaking, with few exceptions, I have been fairly correct about plots and storylines so I, I i don't know we'll Real see question is joss whedon involved in this one i don't, I don't think so no okay i was gonna say joss whedon i would totally say no he's dying but if he's not then i don't know i'm saying 50 50 maybe even 60 40 here wow wow all right all right so episode one sort of turned jeanette off episode two when she eventually watched it maybe brought her around a little bit because in this episode peggy is looking for a new apartment because her roommate gets killed because the the people who are looking for her thought it was her um that's bad for business um (laughs) she has a friend who suggests that hey why don't you move into my building it's an all-female building and she's like no because you could end up dead too and you sort of see that vulnerable side of peggy right she's she's worried about her friend who works at the diner who's trying to be an actress and all of this um and i really like angie i think as a character she brings something to the table for the 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 show um she she, comes through in the end but that's for next episode right Right. And and you, she sort of gets her own little happily ever after in some sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so Peggy's continuing to be a double agent. She goes to scan female employees at a at a place where they suspect Stark has been selling information and not information, but um, weapons and she's scanning for radiation, and she suggests that they scan previous day's clothes. An employee realizes what she's going to do and starts to run away. 
Peggy finds bomb about a milk truck full of. No, it wasn't a female employee. It was a male employee. It was that was a male employee? Yeah, but she was sent there specifically to scan the female employees because she's a chick. So, um, okay. But she has the brainwave to scan their previous clothes to try and find the person who's been handling the radioactive stuff, and the the male employee goes does a runner, and she finds a milk truck full of bombs. And um, one of the guys tries to get away. The truck won't start, so she questions him for information. This is the creepy part about this dude. Or correct me if I'm wrong. It's been a while since we've seen it. He doesn't have a voice box. He has a microphone that goes over his... Yes. Yes. And we he's not the only character that we meet that has this particular anomaly. So um, he's got a trach box that he he holds something over and it speaks for him um i do have to ask did they have those back then is that time period specific correct i don't know that's That's an interesting question yeah that is an interesting question um we could research that not that anyone else cares i was just curious no i it's something that is like hmm is this accurate let's find out um and apparently they go uh he goes on the run and he ends up um dra- like Peggy and Jarvis chase after him he gives Peggy a clue about who he's working for by drawing something in the sand and then Peggy gets hurt and Jarvis helps her and stitches up her wound and then they escape before SSR comes and then Peggy realizes she can't do it all on her own, right? That's basically yeah. episode two. And that then she decides to go apply for the apartment in Angie's building, which is much nicer than her last apartment, by the way, which was kind of just a hole in the wall, dank little thing. Pretty much. Mm-hmm. Mm. Lots of lots of booms and bangs in this episode. Lots of uh, edgy- I actually, as I remember, I didn't think that the the storyline itself was all that phenomenal. It was more that I started liking Peggy more, mm-hmm. and I started liking Peggy more because again, Jarvis and Angie's contributions started wearing her down a little bit into admitting that she was human. Yeah, I would agree with that. The storyline wasn't as fast paced as it as something like agents of shield right you get your very systematic agents of shield storyline where it's like you know this this storyline in this particular episode sorry the storyline in this particular episode wasn't as fast paced as something like agents of shield you do get a big explosion and some suspense and people dying which actually i think happens in just about every episode somebody dies i think you're right i you know i'm trying to think of like when there's an episode yeah the next one an agent dies episode three an agent dies uh, you know so like somebody dies in every episode i think um it's kind of like psych what's that kind of like psych yeah but usually somebody dies before they get to the scene. It's like usually we see somebody die in Agent Carter. Very like true. We witness somebody dying in every episode. Yeah. Which is a little unsettling in my opinion. But yeah. I have trouble with that. Yeah. Oh, um, by the way, the electrolarynx uh-huh. um, was developed in the 1920s by oh, Western, Ele- Western Electric and was modernized. In the 1940s, so they would have been becoming more popular at that point. There we go. There we go. So Sorry, thank, yeah. thank you for that bit of research there, Rich. Yeah. Um, episode three, we find out that Peggy's new apartment is very strict about their rules, right? A crazy, pretentious lady is a good summation. Yeah, she doesn't want anyone to become hussies. <laughs> she's, she's That's very true. Not their virtue. Right. And here's the thing, which, you know, I guess on the one hand, kudos, but she she has a very intolerant, antagonistic, and downright obnoxious uh, way of maintaining the her lady's virtue. Yeah, and, and it's part of their contract that they sign when they rent 
a place at the former hotel, which has now been turned into apartments, which is kind of a swanky establishment. It totally is. Um, But at the same time, she's very smug about maintaining those rules. Oh, absolutely. I'm not arguing there. Um, And in this, um, somebody's trying to climb up into Peggy's window. Turns out he's looking for his girlfriend. She gets caught trying to smuggle a man into her apartment heaven forbid and um she ends up uh hearing about her get the her neighbor getting kicked out allowing a new girl named Dottie um more to come on her later to move in um she also Wait, wait, wait. Dottie is annoying. I mean, I, I found her highly irritating when I first met her. Oh, she is annoying. Yeah. She's, she's meant to be annoying. But she's, she's meant to be annoying to throw you off the scent. Oh, totally. 100%. But, I mean, at the time when I first watched this episode, all I was like, oh, my word, please do not put this chick in too much. Right. Meanwhile, she's in just about every episode. Yes, uh, she is. So, um, Jar- uh, Peggy then shows up at Jarvis's house and... Find tells him that she wants to find out how someone robbed Howard's impenetrable vault, right? Um, and in the meantime, Agents Thompson and Souza question Jarvis about his car while Peggy's there. She has to hide. Um, and they okay. can I can I interrupt for a second? Yeah, I do as much as I like Sousa. I really, really do. He's a great guy. I would totally marry him if I could. But I don't, I think it's a little bit um, unrealistic that SSR would have him in the field when he has that crutch. Right. So Agent Sousa was, um, was injured in World War II. Yeah. And he is still an agent for the SSR. And I would agree with Jeanette that at, I would find, I actually find it even more unlikely that Sousa would be in the field than Peggy because sometimes yeah. you need a female agent. Yeah. yeah. I mean, really, I think that they were just trying to make Sousa as sympathetic. And again, I love him, but as sympathetic a figure as possible. And they might've gone a little overboard with that to the point where it became unrealistic. I would agree. Yeah. Um, so Jarvis gets taken downtown and, um, Peggy comes to rescue him. And then, it causes her to get in trouble with her boss. Um, here you find out that Jarvis was brought up on treason charges in World War II. And it's because he forged a name for the woman he ends up marrying who would have been killed otherwise because she's Jewish. Wait, um, wait that's episode three? Yep, that's episode three. No way. Yep. Dang, that happened quick. Yep, and he and his wife were both saved by Howard. Um, and then Peggy and Jarvis, cemented by their this newfound vulnerability, go on a search and find a ship that has the same symbol that the guy drew in the sand um, who died in the last episode. They... Um, run around and try and find things. People are watching them. And as they leave the ship, they call and put an anonymous tip in to the SSR causing a, an agent to show up and um, arrest a bunch of people on the ship with the symbol. And then they're in the back of the car. Another agent, agent Kraminsky is driving two people and they, the car gets attacked, and the two people who he arrested are killed, as is he. Um, well, and let's face it, I mean, that was a shocking moment when Kraminsky dies. Mm-hmm. At the same time, he is not a likable character. No. Obnoxious he-man who is really irritating to Peggy and, like, calls her sweetheart and tells her to get his coffee and stuff. And, and unfortunately, I'm not saying that this is right, but because he's not physically attractive either, mm-hmm. he crosses being even more obnoxious than Chad Michael Murray, who is, you know, such a pretty boy. He is a pretty boy. He's totally a pretty boy. Not my type, just for the record. I am not attracted to him, but let's face it, he got cast in all those little CW shows for a reason. Absolutely. 
And as he has grown, he has continued to keep his his pretty boy status. Like yeah. he's he's as pretty boy now as he was in One Tree Hill ten years ago. Yeah, you know, hundred percent. And and he, he plays a great character in this. I like Chad Michael Murray's character. I like to dislike Chad Michael Murray's character in this. Oh yeah, I have to say, I mean, the acting is very well done. It is. And I won't go into this too far because that's going into episodes five through eight. But he he does a he does a great job of being important to the plot line, unlikable, growing as a character, and then completely throwing you off. Yep, I agree. Um, and. Agent Kruminski's death impacts the SSR pretty severely. We open in episode four to everybody grieving the loss of him. People are calling his wife and his girlfriend, which makes you wonder how somebody so unattractive physically and um, personality wise can get both a wife and a girlfriend. But that's a whole nother conversation, I guess we could have. Um, and that, uh, I was going overboard, too. Yeah, I mean, just to show how what a slug he is. Well, we already knew that. Like you didn't. Exactly. Well, I also feel as if it was to drive home the point that you know this is a society where women aren't valued properly. Right. Number one, that's been shoved down our throats. Episodes one through three, quite nicely. Thank you very much. And number two, um, again, what you said, I can't see him having a wife, much less a girlfriend. Yeah. Um. So. Jarvis and Peggy are continue to be a team. They're trying to find the things that Howard has set them to find. Um, Howard returns and starts to try and hassle Peggy to hang out in her apartment, which, as we know, you get kicked out if you get caught with a man upstairs. Um, so he's hiding all sorts of places and doing beats and switches all over the place. Um, one of the members of the SSR goes to Germany to find a Nazi to learn about the Russians who had supposedly died. Oh, we forgot about this. Um, in previous episodes, we find that two of the people who they've encountered, Peggy and Jarvis, and the SSR have encountered supposedly died on the battlefield in a Russian battle, um, but are alive and both are missing their voice boxes. So they are trying to figure out this mystery. So the captain of the SSR goes to Germany to try and solve that. Um, and Peggy um, is sent to the lab, to the lab in the SSR to retrieve some of Stark's gadgets. Um, meanwhile. And there are many, many gadgets. And there are, yeah, lots of gadgets. So, and stuff that stuff that the uh, the SSR team can't figure out. Right. Thank you. That that you're right. And they're like in the lab. Peggy, do you remember how she evacuates the lab? I can't remember. Um, she. Oh gosh. She, I can't remember. But she finds a way to get the lab evacuated, and she goes through. She takes pictures. She um. Oh, first she goes in and she takes pictures. Then she goes. She goes back in, breaks back in, and takes his um the specific invention that stark wants um he says it will cause a, a an entire citywide blackout um however um that's not what it does in the meantime Sousa and co find a homeless man who witnessed jarvis and peggy leave the boat and call in the um the anonymous tip. So they're interviewing him about what he saw before Kerminsky died because they're convinced that Howard has somehow involved in Kerminsky's death as well. Um, Peggy, too curious for her own good, decides to open, press the button that Howard says will cause a citywide blackout and opens it and finds a vial. And it turns out that Howard admits that it's a vial of Steve Rogers blood and he thinks it can cure um, and cause vaccine, uh, create vaccines for people, at which point Peggy slaps him and says, you don't deserve this. And Howard says, you're right. And so allows Peggy to keep it. Um, okay. So question for both of you, because I want to know your opinions on this. 
how do you feel about about how they portrayed Stark? Because let's face it, he's a more comical version of of his son mm. as portrayed in this TV show. Now in the in the Iron Man movies, he's portrayed as much more serious and business minded mm-hmm. and, and less frivolous all around. Mm-hmm. Um, which personally I thought was more compelling and believable. I mean, he's he's a little bit of a parody in Agent Carter. Yeah, I and <clears throat> so. But but is it is it indicative of a, a transformation that we're going to wind up seeing later? And that's the question in terms of what what alters Stark's mindset. Is it his wife, whom he eventually marries and has Tony with? Um, what what causes that pushover to? being serious and business-minded. Not that he doesn't do very well for himself, because he does, but I don't know. I mean, I would agree that he's somewhat of a parody. He's comic relief in a lot of senses, and the whole scene where Peggy's trying to hide him and she thinks he's going to show up in the dumbwaiter and Miss MacGuffin, or whatever her name is, is uh, going to kick her out, and then it turns out he replaces a bag of laundry, and he's in his her roommate's, uh, not her roommate's, but her, one of her apartment mates' um, apartments smooching her, and, you know, the whole thing, and I think it's Dottie, actually. Isn't it Dottie who she, he's kissing? It might know. be Dottie. And he's like, you know, it is. It's it's almost farcical, I would agree. Um yeah. I don't know how I feel about Howard like that. I mean, the fact that, okay, the fact that he is a millionaire, which, you know, back then would have been our billionaires today. I get that he would have women throwing themselves at him, but um, he even gets women even without them knowing who he is. The MCU. What do you guys feel about, like, this kind of comparison? I mean, maybe it's not even apt or, or not, but... um. <clears throat> So does Agent Carter feel to you guys like it's the BBC version of a Marvel Cinematic Universe story? (laughs) I never thought of it that way before, but that doesn't make it invalid. Yeah, I never thought of it that way before, but it like if that feels right, correct, given the fact that it's um, a brief series, like, you know, much like a British series, you know, you have plot lines that are more complex than you would usually see in American TV and and more slapstick humor and more slapstick humor I think you wow that was really insightful it was Dang. very insightful I, don't know. I am so impressed with you right now Rich very <laughs> insouciant honey I don't know it just like you know it, it, it just kind of like clicked because something about it something about Agent Carter for me was like it's it is MCU but it's not and it's like okay, a lot of people can just go for like the time the timeline thing and be like, oh well, it's a story out of the MCU's time, so you're 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 looking back. But we did already get a whole film that was set in that time all, all you know, almost entirely in in Captain America, and it that totally didn't feel like that either. So yeah, it really didn't. So I mean, I don't know. I, I guess it's just because like I've watched a lot of BBC stuff too. Like I've watched like you know like. Life on Mars and Sherlock and you know like a whole bunch of other, um, a whole bunch of other TV, <clears throat> TV shows, and this kind of almost fits in one of those lines, yeah. you know, like like um, <clears throat> a little bit more Hollywood than 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 BBC and, and Agent Carter. Obviously, it's it's a it's a Hollywood production, but and yet more <clears throat> BBC than Hollywood. Yeah, right. Strange hybrid between the two. Yep. And if you compare it to something like Life on Mars, which I don't know if you've ever seen, Jeanette, it's actually really excellent. But it is got that. You know my opinion of BBC in general. Yeah, I really love that show though. Um, It's got that same sort of weird sci-fi, unexplained weirdness that like anything goes in some some cases in the BBC that you don't expect. It's very interesting. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah. <clears throat> huh. But um all right, so I just I just have to say one thing real quick, Reg. Mm-hmm. Seriously, mind blown. That was that was a phenomenal 
That, that was phenomenal insight. I am really, wow. Just wow. Oh, okay. Mm, thanks. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> no, really. So, um, but, uh, all right. So we've got, <clears throat> we've got pretty much the four episodes wrapped up. Um, what do you guys feel about the, the arc? Like, you know, how, you know, in, in its current trajectory going into what I'm sure is going to be the next episode we record, maybe, you know, like, you know, in, in a week or two or whatever, um, talking about the, the last, um, the last part of, uh, of the season, <clears throat> you know, how do you guys feel about this arc going in at this point? Um, you know, for me, you know, kicking it off, um, <clears throat> I felt about this trajectory that I was really looking forward to watching the, the back half of the season because it seemed like they really did put together a cohesive story that had some intrigue. You know, you want to know what's going on with, with, uh, with certain characters you fear, you know, you almost fear for, for Peggy getting caught out there by, by, um, by someone at this point is, you know, the friend that would have your back. I mean, it could be the still, you know, is it going to turn out to be that, you know, he's going to be the friend that stabs her in the back, you know, like that kind of thing, um, you know, going in there. Um, at that point, I wanted to know what was going on with Dottie. They kind of like hit us over the head a little bit too much with that. Cause like there was way too much of a new character running around and you know, she's up to no good. Mm-hmm. Um, especially, especially like at the end, at the end of the fourth episode, <clears throat> um, where the, where one of the guys um, who's later known as an as a agent of that um, the nor- organization that at this point do they do they call it Leviathan yet? Um, Leviathan refers to itself as Leviathan okay. on the creepy keyboard. Gotcha. So so I mean, but at this point there are there are multiple people working for this Leviathan character, I guess, um, <clears throat> and then one of those people is trying to go after Peggy inside the, inside the apartment building. And she gets, well, that guy gets taken out by Dottie. So, you know, but it was the way that she, the way that she did it indicated that she's not messing around and one, and also not to be trifled with. So that, that means like, she's probably not there to save the day. Yeah. She she black widowed the guy. Yeah. She's, she's like, she's there for her own agenda. So, Yeah, with and this... that, that is driven home by the look on her face after she what, wraps her legs around him and breaks his neck or something like that. Yeah, yeah. And then she's like, you know, hovering over him still, his lifeless body on the floor, and she just looks up into the camera. You're like, yeah, this isn't a good girl. <laughs> yeah, no. Yeah, and you're creepy. <laughs> yes, yeah, it was, it was very creepy. But um, annoying, really annoying to really creepy. Okay, uh, character yeah. development. Right? So, so anyway, at that point, at this point, you know, um, you know, at, when I watched it, I was really excited for it to come back, so I could be, you know, so I can continue to to finish it up and and see what's going on. Um, although at the same time, um, I knew that there wasn't a way to like thread that kind of stuff in. Um, but at the same time, I was almost a little teensy weensy bit disappointed that there weren't any any more, um real nuggets of MCU goodness to find in these episodes. Um, because as of right now, like those four episodes reference some cool things that happen in movies we've already seen, mm-hmm. but done it, it, it didn't do anything to like indicate that it was going to show us anything that we're going to see like in the background or, you know, like some cool thing that was going to happen in the, the, the coming MCU movies. So, well, sorry, you finish first. Yeah, so I mean, in that sense, I was like, "Oh, well, you know, it's really cool, and I like it." Um, but at this point, um, even though I'm looking forward to seeing more, I'm seeing as I'm seeing Agent Carter almost as a one shot, rather than, you know, like that that core thread um, of the MCU at this point. Um, and you know, we'll see, we'll see, you know, as we as we do the next episode, whether or not that changes, um, you know, for for me. But um, but uh, I think. I think it also also absolutely has its place for fans of um, Captain America, uh, the first Avenger. So because it gives you like that, you know, kind of continuation of what happened, you know, after that that moment where, you know, Steve takes a plane and and crashes into the snow and, you know, Peggy Carter's all sad. Well, what what happens to her between then and, and, you know, and and the now of the MCU. So it's kind of cool. Yeah. 
I guess for me though, I was I was okay with it not tying so strongly in with the movies, and that's because number one, it's a TV show, so I expect it to build as it goes on. Number two, it's a backstory, um, and I thought it was rather cool how they're explaining uh, how they're explaining how Agents of Shield came around in the first place, which. Mm-hmm. Captain America references very briefly when he's talking to the ridiculously young-looking old Peggy in Captain America 2. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty Who's like 100. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And, and dying. Yeah, really remarkably well-preserved. Um, but so, so I, with the ex- expectation that there's more to come, I was okay with these episodes mm-hmm. being what they were. Gotcha. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I guess, you know, I didn't really think about it in, in many ways. I just sort of accepted it for what it was, which was a backstory about, and I was intrigued to find out more about Jarvis and more about Peggy and more about how Howard's going to get himself out of this one, you know, and, and that was enough for me in a lot of ways. Cool. All right. Yeah. So, right. so that was episodes one through four. And full full disclosure here, folks, this is our second time round with this one. <laughs> that is very true. Just between Zanae and I, and it was a disaster. A to- it was embarrassingly bad. Yeah, total disaster. We yeah. were completely unprepared for it and also way too tired to be podcasting. And so... And as I remember also, the feed kept cutting in and out, and it was... It was just basically there's no better word to describe it than disaster. Yeah. yeah. And so all in all, I think that for what it, for what it is, this one was far superior to the one that we recorded <laughs> last time. And actually, I think we tried to do all of Agent Carter in that episode as well. I agree. I think so. And um, think so. that was just too much for for just generally it was just too much so yeah here we are at the end of episodes one through four with more to come more discussion to come and then actually we have to decide at the end of the uh, the agent carter episode whether we're going to be able to manage 11 episodes of agents of shield in like an hour program i don't know if we can do it folks i'm not sure i mean i think maybe the first half of season one we could probably do in one episode (laughs) as it goes further maybe we have to like break it up a little bit to talk about different story arcs second half of agents of shield with one word that's all i need (laughs) (laughs) oh spoiler alert folks spoiler alert that's uh that's gonna be some interesting conversations yeah Looking forward to it or dreading it? Oh, I, I think it'll be. I think it'll be good. I think it's. Uh, I think it's gonna be good times. It'll be spirited. <laughs> that's for sure. Yeah, spirited is a great word for it. <laughs> but um, all right. So so yeah, I guess this uh this wraps up um episode eleven here. Um, so also you know here's the community cleanup section. I guess you know reach out to us. Um, sharp angles at baconicecream.com. Uh, hit us up on Twitter. It's Sharp Angles BIC. Um, we're still working on other things like Facebook and other ways of communicating on the internet. Um, but uh, for for now, those two are are the main are the main things to go to. Um, oh, can I give a quick shout out? Sure, sure. Okay, so FerryCon in Hunt Valley, Maryland. Um, I'm going to be there, and it's oh gosh, it is November sixth through the eighth, I believe. Yes, uh, Friday through through Sunday. And so if you are there, stop by the Jeanette DeLui table. It's going to be one of the author tables, and I'd love to meet you. Sweet. And we wish you the best of luck with that endeavor, because that's it sounds exciting. Yeah. I am very excited about this. Yay. Awesome. Absolutely. So, yeah, so go go see Jeanette, meet her, um, you know, communicate with, communicate with us on, on the Internet. You know, we, we promise we, you know, we, we, we really wanted to hear from you. So keep sending us stuff. Um, maybe uh, maybe we'll get another. Um, maybe we'll get some more feedback from our other podcast friends on the internet. Yeah. Any any word on the Gauntlet Throne? No, no word on the Gauntlet Throne oh, yet. So Jim, so we'll see. let we'll me see down if, here. We'll see if uh, Jim from Only Can Geek is uh, is still listening here. And if he is, I mean, come on, the Gauntlet got thrown last episode. Come on, <laughs> catch up, and then write in. And then we'll continue this little 
this little fun game that we got. And I will <laughs> tell you that people at Utaka, the Japanese restaurant near us, agree with you, Jim. So you might have more of a contingent that I might than I might have thought. <laughs> oh, that's true. Yes. Yeah, we met a total stranger at the uh, Hibachi restaurant. Um, was it just like two days ago or, or something? For Rich's birthday. Happy birthday, Rich. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank okay, you. Wait a minute. You're going to have to remind me what this gauntlet was about. I don't even it, remember. Thor. I remember it being thrown, but that's it, it. It was about Thor. Oh, right, right. Okay, thank you. Thank you about whether Thor was completely unnecessary, boring, or not. Yes, yes. So, and apparently we met a fan of Thor at the table. <laughs> So it's so it's me and today and um and Eric and Keith um <clears throat> and we're all talking all sorts of crazy geek stuff. Uh we get to talking about the MCU and then we all universally are like, "Oh man, Thor sucks so bad." And this other guy's like, "Um no, I really liked it." And I was like, "Oh no." So it's Jim <laughs> and Rich from Utaka who think that Yeah, cuz yeah, that guy's name was Rich. Yeah. I'm I'm more towards with Jim and Rich from Utaka than I am with you guys though. Uh, I think it was horrible. I, I didn't think it was awesome, but I didn't terrible. think it was horrible. I could not watch it right now because I could not drink right now, and <laughs> <laughs> that would just be a tragedy. Indeed. All right. Well, <clears throat> I guess um, you know that, that about um, wraps it up for everything. So, um, you know, like we said before, hit us up, and we'll. You know, be sure to tune in next time where um, I'm sure it'll be the uh, the back half of, uh, of Agent Carter while we're still waiting some Ant-Man to come out. Right. So, um, you know, until then, uh, I'm Rich. I'm Danae. I'm Jeanette. And uh, we'll see you next time on Sharp Angles. Uh, thanks for listening, guys. Bye. Bye.